everybody. This is Sarah Westcott. This is Katie Willie. And this is To Be Red. The podcast where we talk about drinks and the cocktails that go, notebooks and the cocktails that go with them. <laughs> and drinks and the cocktails long. that go with them. Yes. Okay. It's been just, it's just, it's been a minute. Uh, okay. <laughs> or 450,000. Yeah. It's been a long time since mm. we've been together in my closet. And, yes. you know, that's because um, I a went lot. on vacation. <laughs> yeah. I went on vacation. We had, there was just a lot going on. I mean, it's, it's summer. Summer is you like to think that summer is going to be easier to like do things, but that's just not the case. No, it's not. Not at all. It's like everything gets busier yeah. and like you with your kids sports and yeah. everything and whatever. So yeah, but I went on vacation. So that was one of the reasons was that it? it was, it was freaking amazing. I, we had a great time. The only thing that I will say about it is that you would think that this would be completely the opposite. So we went over to the West Coast. We were in Seattle for three days. Then we went up to Vancouver for three days. And then we came back down to Tacoma for three more days um, because I was running a race. And um, we we are kind of like, we're not really super planner people. We plan certain things to do, but like, we don't, we're not like, let's plan dinner here and lunch here and this and this and this. We kind of fly by the seat of our pants in that situation. So there are some days in vacations where we will kind of like keep free just to be like, let's do a brewery day and like whatever. Um, It was a very, very, very difficult to find breweries out that way that allow kids in them which i thought was shocking shocking to me very progressive cities um very touristy cities see that's so weird because i guess i wouldn't even think like you shouldn't bring a kid to a brewery because i think almost all of them around here you can yes we had we struggled a lot and it was very much like we would walk to a place and then we would get to see a sign on the door that said 21 only 21 and over only um, so then it got to the point where we would have to stand there and look on our phone to, you know, see if there were ones or and we found a couple of them and they were great. And it was, you know, we had fun just walking around and everything. Um, but that was frustrating. Yeah. It was very, very frustrating. And I'm like, I, I could not believe, you know, coming from a state like New York where you, you walk into a brewery and there's going to be families everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was very interesting to see, but it was cool. I mean, there's, there's literally just pride flags everywhere on everything, you, you know, every street you walk down. Um, it was great. We had, we had a blast. That's awesome. Yeah, we had a blast. Lots of mountains. I love mountains. They're my favorite. And if I could move to one and just live on a mountain, live on top of a mountain, <laughs> I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, so what about you? How have you been? How have you been? Good. Yeah. Good. I feel like there's just, I mean, I don't have anything really all that spectacular to mention. Yeah. Summer's just going good. Stuff, yeah. Adam got into his accelerated math thing. He passed wow. it. There was a slight snafu at the end. What cause... a shock being your child, though, no, right? No. <laughs> um, there was a slight snafu where he was supposed to um, review a paper final before he submitted it all into, like, the Google form. Yeah. And he just went ahead and submitted it, even though, like, I had already reviewed it and I knew he had a bunch wrong. Yeah. That he just, like... There was, like, five questions in – five out of six questions in one, like, section. And it was a distracted thing because I know Eric was in the room when he was doing the paper thing, which is part of the reason I told him, I'm like, you need to go back and review these. Yeah. Like, I didn't tell him which ones. I was just like, just go back review. and read through yeah. all your questions. Let me know if you change any. And he comes back out and he's just like, I submitted it. And I was like, wait, what? Did you change any? And he was like, no. And I was like, um <laughs> – Hopefully, but I counted right, and, and it was, yeah, fine. He was fine. Like so, it doesn't, you know. It's... But it was like a little bit of a. This is a life lesson. Like yeah. this is what you need to do. Yeah, um, yeah. 
which was my downfall forever. It still is my downfall. I don't review shit. I'm like, all right, I did it. I'm done. And I, I hit know. submit. And then I'll go back and read it and be like, what the fuck was that sentence? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> or I know. Whatever. That's, that's tough. I, I think I've gotten better about that. It, and as I've go- gotten older and I'm like. I try to remember to go back and read stuff. So I, I'm lucky. Sophie is a perfectionist. It'll take her a fucking year to submit something. Really? Okay. She is a perfectionist. She's going to. She is going to. Meticulous. 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 And it, it's an, it can be very annoying it's sometimes. And it's just like, dude. Like, this is, you're taking a test. You got to fucking get, like, mm-hmm. don't, it doesn't have to be perfect, kid. Like, right. just do it. And right. whatever. She stresses herself out about it. My son, on the other hand, will just be like, ah, okay. Done. Yeah. <laughs> and then get a zero on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, on another note, Katie, what have you been reading? I mean, we haven't seen each other in a while. So so I just want to make note of the fact that we are recording two episodes today. So I'm going to tell you the we books sure that are. I read before this one and then i read some other books before i went back to the second episode okay so one of the things i did read was a good man is hard to find that you told me to read yes i was kind of like what the fuck uh did you like it though it was cute it was short not cute it was short it was like (laughs) yeah no cute wasn't the right word but like cute like small story cute yeah yes yeah um and I didn't really expect it to just end with everybody dying, but yeah. crazy though, right? Yeah, like, I like that. yeah, yeah. Um, and then I read uh, Perfect Stranger by Megan Miranda. I think I mentioned this that I was reading it the last time. Yes, I, I believe I didn't, so. Wasn't particularly a huge fan of it, but it was quick enough to read. And then Zero Days by Ruth Ware. I did read that one. That was totally different than her typical books. Yeah. Have you read it yet? I have not yet. It's on my list. Okay. But I haven't read that. I think I read Perfect Stranger, but I can't remember if I did that, read that one or not, too. It's not during this time, but I've been read it a before. long enough time <laughs> that I don't really remember what Perfect Stranger was about. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But all right. They, they were good. They were good enough. All right. Good enough. And those are, those are the ones for this one. Okay. Yep. I'm just going to read my list because I don't remember what I told you and what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Did I talk about We Spread by Ian Reed? No. So we spread. Do you remember That's Ian the cover. Reed? Is, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian Reed is the guy who wrote Foe. Yeah. Um, and we spread. Um, was also very interesting. Foe and, and was weird. the one with the guy at the farmhouse, right? Yes. Okay. Correct. Yes. And um, this was very. You know, um, we spread was also a little anxiety inducing. Whatever. It's just his type of style writing, and I kind of want to touch on Foe a little bit, just because I just watched. You've never watched a Black Mirror episode, have you? No. So there's a Black Mirror episode, this newest season that's called Beyond the Sea, and it's about these men who are astronauts, and they are in space, and they have avatars that they live through. Like, they go to sleep, kind of, in in a cubby in their spaceship, and they live through their avatars down on, on Earth. Earth. Okay. So they are machines, but it's their consciousness that's in them. Okay. It was a very, very interesting story. Like, um... If you have Netflix, I don't know if you do have Netflix. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Okay. I would totally recommend you. Um, okay. I might find a way to get you to watch that one um, because it reminded me a lot of Foe. Um, I read uh, The Bone Shard War by Andrea Stewart. That's the third in a series. Um, long. It's a very long series, but good and enjoyable. I cried on... I think I read it. I finished reading it on the train on our way to Vancouver. And I was like, I shouldn't be doing this in front of so many people. <laughs> anyway. Um, then I read The Housemaid for, for uh, book our book club. Mm-hmm. Um, that's by Frieda McFadden. We both, we, yep. you know, we read it before, basically. Uh, then I With read... With a different title. 
Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> then I read You Think It, I'll Say It by Curtis Sittenfeld. That's just um, a collection of short stories that she wrote. Um, and I just love Curtis Sittenfeld. Yes. Um, and they're all very short stories sometimes to me just just like you you with that one yep. feel very unfinished yeah and it's a little it can be a little frustrating a but little they were to just yes, be like, eh, it's oh. over, and it's over okay All and then right. we learned nothing more about these people's lives lives but it was cute i liked it um and then i just finished a book called forget me not by alice and derek and it's about um these girls who just graduated high school they're in love with each other and one of them gets in an accident and somehow forgets that she is she is in love with this other girl and forgets her about her. She forgets basically their two year relationship or okay. whatever. And it's kind of about them finding each other again and, and her recognizing her sexuality again and everything like that. So it was very good. I liked, what I liked was that. that about? Um, forget me not. Okay. By Alice and Derek. Okay. And that, that was my, that was my hall of books that I've read in yes. that time. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. Should we just move on to the prologue then? Yeah. All right, let's do it. The, the prologue. Um, okay, Katie, so we read um, The Subtle Knife, which is the second book in um, Philip Pullman's His Dark uh, Materials trilogy, and um, it was published on July 22nd, 1997. I try, I, I want to look back and, and try to find out when the first Harry Potter was published, because it was also in 1997, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting that these two trilogies were coming out at the same time, because there's a lot of similarity, similarities. Yeah. Unlike the Golden Compass, this one did not get a movie because the first one Failed. was so bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, it continues Lyra's story and brings in some new characters. Um, one I can't wait to talk with you about, and um, and that's pretty much it. I, other than the, the subtle knife refers to a weapon that can cut through any substance like butter. One side of it can cut through basically anything, metal, whatever, and it just goes right through. And the other side can is used to tear a hole in the fabric of the world, so it can create a doorway into the next universe. Um, and uh, I think that's all I have. I think that's all I have for fast facts. So. Uh, Read a rundown. Yes, read a rundown. In this stunning sequel to The Golden Compass, the intrepid Lyra... Lyra? Lyra. Shit. Lyra <laughs> finds herself in the shimmering, haunted otherworld. So I read it as Sidagazi. Yes. Yep. All right. Where soul-eating specters stalk the streets and wing beats of distant angels sound against the sky. But she is not without allies. 12-year-old Will Perry, fleeing for his life after taking another's, has also stumbled into this strange new realm. On a perilous journey from world to world... Lyra and Will uncover a deadly secret, an object of extraordinary and devastating power. And with every step, they move closer to an even greater threat and the shattering truth of their own destiny. Yay! 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 I, I'm so excited to talk about this book with you, but let's... Let's do our cocktail! Cocktail first. All right. the, the ice is melting quickly. Yes. So this is called The Demon. Oh, I yeah, love it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So okay. I, there was a lot of math involved because the recipe was for a pitcher using an entire bottle of Jameson. And I had to shrink all of that down between one bottle, two milliliters, two ounces. It is Jameson, cranberry juice, mint, strong, strong brewed mint tea, raspberry cordial, a.k.a. Passion fruit alizé and <laughs> some lime juice. I think yes, that was it, right? I think that's it. And ice. But and yeah. ice, yes. For so cheers. Cheers. Mine also Katie's, has a, Katie's has, got a subtle knife in has it. Has a subtle knife. <laughs> um, I'll drink it. Yep. It's fine. Uh -huh. I don't even taste the tea, honestly, which, quite frankly, is there you go. happy. It makes me happy because I Mint do not tea. like tea. Mint tea. Um, I am very, like, I'm tasting the cranberry quite a yep. bit, and I like that. I like that. Yeah. No, that's good. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll drink it. 
I would drink a second one of these in a, in a heartbeat. Well, we're That's not going to do that because we have a different that. cocktail for the second a, book. Yes. Oh, my God. We have two books today. So we're going to try to do this, you know, like, you know, normally. Let's yes. see. All right. So the first thing I have to say about this is that this book version of it, I was just like, oh, shit, Roger's still alive. But then we learned that that's not Roger. It's Will. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Like, my book cover doesn't have that, obviously. It just has a a kind of a picture of the knife. But uh, I thought that I think that's really funny. Does it look like my black plastic one? Oh, no. No, it does not. Not at all. No, not a butter knife. Um, I just want to ask you, like, you know how we typically start this. Yep. Um, by the way, we are in the story <laughs> right now. <laughs> we didn't say that. Um, did you like this book? I know it's tough for you because. So I did like this book. I think I sent you a text. Maybe I was like three quarters of the way through and I said, can we add Amber Spyglass to our book list? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having a tough time speaking today. <laughs> to our list of, or to our to be read pile. There we go. Yeah. Um, sooner rather than later, because this was, I think we've read five books since we read Golden Compass. Yeah. For the podcast. Yeah. And all the other ones. All the other ones that you read. And yeah. I was completely out of the world. Yeah. And it took me, it took me a little while to get back in and remember the demons and how they function with Lyra and Lyra. 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 Fuck. Go with your gut. <laughs> and just like putting it all together and, and like, all right, so how did we end this book? All right, she was with Lord Asriel and he was going and they blew up and she killed the guy. Boy, and like putting it all back together yeah. was kind of, yeah. I don't want to say sketchy, but I mean, I'm sure that when this one came out, it had been a while from the first one. You don't think he went like yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Most people don't. I feel, I feel like if I, um, I don't exactly remember when I can actually look on my notes here. Okay. I'm sorry. That took way too long. I just didn't do a thing for it. It was after midnight at the Blackbird. Yes, I've got it. Um, okay. It was published on July 9th, 1995. So two years had gone by okay. between this book and the last book. Um, apologies for my fucking, you know, disorganization there. I couldn't find that. That's all right. But, um, yeah, so two years had gone by between between them, which is pretty typical with yeah. a series, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, you got to write this, the thing, then it's got to do, it's got to go through edits and, you know, right. all that shit, and then it goes to publishing. So, so I didn't have to wait sense. that long, but yeah. it was enough for me to get totally out of it. Yes. Okay. But um, I did like it. Good, 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 good. I... I was hoping you yes. would. It's, it's, I, I think this one just kind of, I like how it brings in another character into the mix and you're kind of getting closer and closer to seeing what this all is about. And, um, you know, the part that Will Perry has to play in Lyra's life and all of that stuff. And, um, I'm, I'm excited for you to read the subtle knife when we get there. I put it we on did the, that. we read that one. What? Subtle knife. It's this one. Not the subtle knife. I'm sorry. The amber spyglass. <laughs> um, I did put it on the list today. So, um, okay. I, there's quite a few books in between there, so maybe I'll have to finagle it yeah, and maybe we'll push it up a little up. bit. Um, as you know, this is one of my favorite books. Um, I don't know that I would call this one my favorite of the series. I think Amber I think Amber Spyglass is probably going to be my favorite of the series okay. because you know how I like it when it, the story ties yeah. up and everything. But I would, I, I honestly do think that this is maybe my second out of the, the, the trilogy. Backwards. Yes. Okay. Because, um, like I just said, the the whole new, the nuance of bringing in a new character to go along with Lyra and what that entails for her, um, learning more about Will and somebody else and and what I you know basically on you know on the first page, um, the subtle knife is the second part of the trilogy that began with the Golden Compass. That first book was set in a world like ours but different. This book begins in our own world. 
So even just reading that, you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. so now you're getting the sense that these take place in con- like concentric yeah, you know, times in and in parallel universes. So it's kind of it's kind of neat to see that kind of thing and how it plays out, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Okay. Um, the first note that I have is yeah. when they meet. Okay. And I'm not really sure where I really want to start it, but um, a girl about his own age, ferocious, snarling with ragged, dirty clothes and thin, bare limbs. She realized what he was at the same moment and snatched herself away from his bare chest to crouch at the corner of the dark landing like a cat at bay. And there was a cat beside her, to his astonishment, a large wild cat, as tall as his knee, fur on end, teeth bared, tail erect. She put her hand on the cat's back and licked her dry lips, watching his every movement. Will stood up slowly. Who are you? Lyra Silvertongue, she said. Do you live here? No, she said vehemently. Then what is this place? This city? I don't know. Where do you come from? From my world. It's joined on. Where's your demon? His eyes widened. (laughs) Then he saw something extraordinary happen to the cat. It leaped into her arms, and when it got there, it changed shape. Now it was a red-brown stoat with a cream throat and belly, and it glared at him ferociously as as ferociously as the girl herself. So I just the vision of the two of them meeting, one having a demon and being like, where the fuck is yours? And the other one being like, what the fuck is that? Well, what I loved about her, too, is that she could immediately tell that no, he didn't have a he doesn't have a demon, but he's not the same as the people in her world because she could tell right. you're totally fine. Like you're not dead behind the eyes, yep. you're alive, whatever. And she had not come across yet come across another person in this world, so she wasn't ready. She to had see. she fell into his. Yes. Okay. No, she fell into the world. There's a middle. There's one. a middle one yes. that's kind of like it's the cream of the Orient. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I actually I'm right around there on page 22, um, of my book. We're gonna have different pages, I guess, but um, she kind of says uh right in the middle of the page she says you have got a demon she said decisively inside you he didn't know what to say you have she went on you wouldn't be human else you'd be half dead we've seen a kid with his demon cut away you ain't like that even if you don't know you've got a demon you have we were scared at first when we saw you like you was a night gast or something but then we saw you weren't like that at all we and then she goes on to discuss me and pantaline and us but you your demon ain't ain't separate from you it's you a part of you you're part of each other ain't there anyone in your world like us are they all like you with their demons all hidden away so i like she's coming to learn and understand that you know Mm -hmm. these worlds are people are going to be different in each world that she goes to um and i think i had more about the demon on page 24 um let's see let's see let's see how much easier if his demon had been visible she wondered what its form she wondered what its form might be and whether it was fixed yet whatever its form was it would express a nature that was savage and courteous and unhappy so she like i love she that can already tell she she's so freaking like um uh astute yes she's very yeah. good at just perceiving what people are like immediately after meeting them and there's even a part where she asks um the lithiometer, you know, who is this person? Should I trust him? And the lithiometer answers, he's a murderer. And she immediately is like, I can trust yeah, him. But, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can trust him. I'm good. good. Like, I'm good. It's good for me. So um, I, I, I just love that because, you know, again, we're seeing how smart Lyra is and how, like, wise for her mm-hmm. age. I mean, she's only 13, you know. And she can already understand <laughs> everybody's character. Yes, exactly. It's, it's very interesting. And, I mean, she's grown up a, a lot. She's seen a lot with her. Her young eyes already. She's yeah. witnessed her best friend be murdered by her father. You know, I mean, she's she's seen a lot already. So she. Knows I'm not convinced world. he's dead. Just so we're clear. <laughs> um, 
Until I know he's dead. Listen, real. it's not a spoiler to set to, to tell so you yeah, that he's the fucking guy's dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> he is not fucking back. <laughs> you are never gonna see oh, Roger okay. again. Okay. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe not. Whatever. Whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. Um, what's your next? I don't want to read the third one anymore. No. <laughs> what's, your, what's your third one? What do you mean? No, oh, the third the one. Book, oh, yeah. Okay. 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 No. Uh, my next one's not till uh, page 129, which I don't even think that I really have a, like a, a, a quote. It's just the page that I, I caught on to. It is that, that I'm curious to see how the specters relate to the dust and the dark matter because yes. of how you knew, like yes. you know, it was going to intertwine. So I actually have a bunch of things that connect. So I'll, I'll get to there. Um, I have a, a couple of things like before. Or, um 129 or whatever so okay. i'll try to like you know yeah. get into there yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can throw yours in with mine um <clears throat> so i my next one is on page 41 and we're kind of learning we get a lot with the witches this time around i love the witches yes yeah we're getting a lot with uh seraphina pecola and um rita skatey is mm-hmm. the witch who was in love with lord Azriel. yeah i don't like her the, <laughs> she seems like an ass right you but don't like her. there's there's a couple of spots in there i'm gonna point out because i think they're kind of they're a little risque for a kid's, a kid's book, which is, is great, but it's the point. It's yeah. the point. So um, on page 41, we're kind of learning, we're learning what Lord Azriel's motivations are. And we basically, Serafina Pecola goes to meet with Thorold, who is um, Lord Azriel's manservant. <clears throat> we met him in the first book. You know, he was sitting at the top of the world with him, mm-hmm. waiting for a child to come along so yeah. he could murder him. Yeah. And whatever. Um, let's see. So... I just want, kind of want to read this. Uh, so what is he doing? I think he's waging a, a higher war than that. I think he's aiming a rebellion against the highest power of all. He's gone a searching for the dwelling place of the authority himself, and he's going to destroy him. That's what I think. It shakes my heart to voice it, ma'am. I hardly dare think of it, but I can't put together any other story that makes sense of what he's doing. Um, let's see. Of course, anyone anyone setting out to do a grand thing like that would be a target of the church's anger. Goes without saying, it'd be the most gigantic blasphemy. That's what they'd say. They'd have him before the consistorial court and sentenced to death before you could blink. I've never spoke of it before, and I shan't again. I'd be afraid to speak it aloud to you if you weren't a witch and beyond the power of the church. But that makes sense, and nothing else does. He's going to find the authority and kill him. So, like, it's so interesting to, like... (laughs) It's funny because you're learning a little bit more about his motivations and why he wants to do, do these certain things, but it's not really going to come all together until yeah. book three. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just, it's crazy to think that somebody, a, a human person, is like, I'm going to create a weapon. To kill God. To kill God. Yeah. Who is apparently and supposedly in heaven somewhere. Yeah. What the rest of the universes have to do with that yet? I really don't recall or understand at the moment. Mm-hmm. I my assumption is that you know it's it's kind of just seeing how dust reacts to people differently in each um, in, each in each universe. universe yeah. And I if if you know we want to get there pretty soon, um, I think that the specters are the dust of Sitagaza. Yes. Then yes. you know what I mean. So um, because it's, the similarities are clearly there. Um, 
What, did you have something to say? No, because that that was pretty much as they were coming about. And then it's the fact that the specters are only ever attacking the adults. And Correct. they don't see the kids. But then you get you can watch the kid get to a certain age and all of a sudden the specters are sniffing around. They and then start like, to... Yes, I got you. Yes, I, I believe that I, I believe that they I... They can smell the hormones. Yes. So the first mention <laughs> I have on page 52, let's see. Um, where the hell did I see it? Well, page 52 is basically where they meet the first kids that they see from Sitagaza. And that's... Um, they reminded me very much Lord of the Flies. Like this v- roving right. horde of kids that yes. are completely unruled. Exactly. There's nobody around. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. And I think that, like, if I recall correctly, the second season of the show, they kind of... It's very similar to that. Okay. Like, they kind of... They're very violent. You know, they're... They they get violent in the book as well, but they're just automatically when you see them on screen, they automatic screen they automatically come across as like, oh, these kids are gonna mean. fuck you up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think it mentions actually. Oh, okay. So it says, uh, "What's happening?" Said Will. Where are are the grownups? The girl's eyes narrowed. Didn't the specters come to your city? She said. No, Will said. We just got here. We don't know about specters. What is this city called? And then she goes on to tell him, and then um. And then Lyra asks, uh, why did why do the grown-ups have to leave? Because of the specters, the girl said with a weary scorn. What's your name? So then they kind of go on to talk about that a little bit. And it's not really until, let me see, where else did I have the, I think I go all the way to freaking page 248. And you said you have something at one. Oh, 240, I have 247, 248. Let me see. Let me just jump to there because it, it's but just it's probably about not the specters. same book. So right, right, right. Okay. That but that's sense. even extra weird. I know, right? Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Um, Those children are specter orphans. There are many gangs of them in this world. They wander about living on what they can find when the adults flee, and there's plenty to find, as you can see. They don't starve. It looks as if a multitude of specters have invaded this city, and the adults have gone to safety. You notice how few boats there are in the harbor? The children will come to no harm. Except for the older ones, like that poor kid down there. Um, and that's, they're talking about that one who they're witnessing basically kind of, it's almost like he's blurred out a little bit. They can't mm-hmm. really see him because the specters are sniffing around him because they can sense this he's boy is about to hit the cusp of yeah. pu- puberty. So um, clearly there are similarities between the specters and the dust because they only go towards the people who have the experience of adulthood, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though a kid immediately just hitting puberty, you know, hasn't had sex yet, hasn't done like those things yet. Right. But the, it's the consciousness of it and, and how you're thinking, thinking about, about it. it yeah. And like, you know, so that's the yeah. point. That's the point. I also have, this is where I also kind of got in with the Harry Potter thing too, because, um, specters reminded me so much of Dementors. Yes. The way that they move and the way that they're like, they pull happiness it's, and their soul you sucking. Their soul yeah. sucking. They, so that's what I was curious. I'm like, clearly she read this book before she wrote um, Prisoner of Azkaban, which Prisoner of Azkaban, I don't think was even published until 2000, 2001, you know? So um, that makes sense. That makes a lot yeah. of sense to me. If she had read this one and took a little bit of liberties with the specters on the dementors. Yes. Interesting, right? They even sound the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. They don't really say looks wise. They just kind of look like ghosts, right? They're just kind of yeah. But I mean, that's kind of how I always pictured Dementors too. Even like with the movies, I wasn't yes. totally 
a fan of the way they looked on the screen. Oh, I thought they were pretty. I thought they were pretty cool looking on the screen. Fucking creepy. That's why they're very creepy. Yes, yeah, but yeah, that's they remind me of that. Just, just, just by the way, they're just like, yeah, they suck the. They're, they come down and they sap all the happiness. You feel cold and you feel like you're never going to be happy again and blah blah blah. So yeah, um, I thought that was interesting. Um, then let's see. One of the other notes that I have, um, there's a lot of discussions about, um, titles of things, Mm -hmm. what they're called. Um, oh, you would call it this in your world. This is called this in my world. And they're like similar, but not exactly the same. But, um, I found it interesting that angels had the same name in all the worlds. Yeah. Like everybody knew what an angel was. Right. Right. It is kind of interesting how... Like you're thinking about different worlds and everything, and it, it's it's interesting how you have similar things to do the similar things, and certainly some names are quite different. And you know, but it's always funny how how common like you can find certain so many things, commonalities yeah. in yep. a lot of things between millions and million like infinite worlds, yeah. you know, which is is pretty cool. Um, and and clearly like language itself, you know, they're not speaking. Right different languages they might have different words that they don't understand what it is like nobody is going to know what an alethiometer alethiometer doesn't exist in our world you know right that kind of thing but yeah it's interesting um so my next is page 93 (laughs) um okay and this is lyra and will talking about um this is when she she mentions to him you know i know you're a murderer and i don't care blah 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 um and she says and will she added i won't give you away not to anyone i promise good she says, I'd done that before. I betrayed someone and it was the worst thing I ever did. I thought I was saving his life, actually, only I was taking him right to the most dangerous place there could be. I hated myself for that, for being so stupid. So I'll try very hard not to be careless or forget and betray you. Um, I, I, that obviously is clearly a reference to Roger, her, dead. her dead best friend. <laughs> yes. And um, that's another thing. I just, I love how like quickly Lyra grasps onto Will as someone who is very clearly like her and searching for something and um someone and also is, trying to escape yep yep and uh, trustworthy trustworthy like she can tell immediately like you are someone that i believe that i can trust and i feel safe with you mm-hmm. and i love i love that about lyra and will I, they might be my favorite my favorite pairing and like any any little thing i just love it anyway um oh i think i have another specter thing want me to read it yeah i do so it's on page 115 maybe maybe this is where we get similar stuff but this is when the i believe the witches are starting to see the specters as well um the children pulled free of the old woman and jumped down from the cart and now like the other children around them ran to and fro in fright or stood and clung together weeping as the specters attacked the adults the old woman in the cart was soon enveloped in a transparent shimmer that moved busily working and feeding in some invisible way that made ruta Ruta Skady sick to watch. The same fate befell every adult in the party, apart from the two who had fled on their horses. Um, skips a little bit. And then, what was happening to him? Serafina hovered above the water a few feet away, gazing horrified. She had heard from travelers in her own world of a legend of, of the legend of the vampire. And she thought of that as she watched the specter busy gorging on something, some quality the man had, his soul, his demon, perhaps. For in this world, evidently, dem- demons were inside, not inside not outside his arms slackened under the child's thighs and the child fell into the water behind him and grabbed vainly at his hand grasping crying but the man only turned his head slowly and looked down with perfect indifference at his little son drowning beside him like that's a horrifying picture just a horrifying thing to imagine and see 
and the fact that like the witches can't really do anything about it because, because then they'll they're be, gonna be succumb to the yeah, same fate. Exactly. Yeah. So they have to they do end up saving the little kid from drowning, um, you know, when the specters are kind of distracted distracted with feeding on other people. But they go on to mention that two people run away because they have to keep at least two There's people. There's a man and a woman from everywhere that gets to ride the horse because yes. they can just keep going. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like knowing you're Adam and Eve to start the world yeah. all over again. Crazy, crazy. Um. So I can't believe I didn't mention that, but yeah, that, oh, I did. Page 115. My bad. I should have read those together. Either way. <laughs> um, what do you got next? So I'm going to interject the, this is like the farthest stretched one I've ever, ever done, but I'm going to say that this is my comparison to Alice in Wonderland on page 171. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I am. He moved as if to turn and Will withdrew. He put a finger to his lips and beckoned to Lyra and led her to the stairs and up to the next floor. What's he doing? She whispered. He described it as well as he could. He sounds mad, said Lyra. Is he thin with curly hair? Yes, red hair, like Angelica's. He certainly looks mad. I don't know. I think this is odder than Sir Charles said. Let's look further up before we speak to him. And I just, that was the closest I could get to it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to count that. Um, but I believe that's Angelica's older brother who's in the tower. Correct. And um, supposedly is actually, uh, I don't, was he searching for the knife or did he actually get the knife? I don't remember... He had the knife. He had it. Yes. And then Will was able to take it from him. Yes. So the whole... I'm going to talk a little bit more about that or a lot of it about that. Okay. Too. We can yes. do that. Yeah. Um, I, the, the other thing I want to say is like the book is called The Subtle Knife and they get to this scene and they're fighting over a knife. And then somehow I, in my infinite wisdom, decided to completely block out the fact that the book was called The Subtle Knife and didn't put the fucking two things together oh my God, you're so until funny. somebody said, oh, it's called The Subtle Knife. And I was like, oh, well, duh, you fuck. Like, <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, it's a knife. It's kind of whatever. It's a knife. Yeah. And just, yeah. Oh, my God. Not realizing. I felt yeah, real freaking stupid all of a sudden when they called it The Subtle Knife. And I was like. Oh, it's, that's the book I'm reading. Yeah, it's the whole catalyst for everything that happens yeah. in the in this book, basically. So since we're on the subject of The Subtle Knife, I will go into um, discussing it on page 161 and 162 of, of my copy of the book. Um, So before this, uh, Will has the fight with the older brother um, and uh, basically, you know, Will wins the fight. Yeah. And he ends up with the knife. Um, he doesn't kill him, but he doesn't kill him. But the specters do but end the up getting him. Specters get him. take yes. his soul. So, anyway, now now the old man who was in there, who was the uh, the original protector of the knife, um, is trying to teach Will how to use it. And I just kind of thought this whole like it's going to be a little bit because I thought this whole passage of like how to use it is just so fucking beautiful. Um, I love the way that it's it's just portrayed. Um, okay. Be silent. You don't want. You don't want. You have no choice. Listen to me because time is short. Now hold the knife out ahead of you like that. It's not only the knife that has to cut. It's your own mind. You have to think it. So do this. Put your mind out at the very tip of the knife. Concentrate, boy. Focus your mind. Don't think about your wound. It will heal. Think about the knife tip. That is where you are. Now feel with it very gently. You're looking for a gap so, so small you could never see it with your eyes, but the knife tip will find it if you put your mind there. Feel along the air till you sense the smallest little gap in the world. 
Will tried to do it, but his head was buzzing and his left hand throbbed horribly, and he saw his two fingers again lying on the roof. And then he thought of his mother, his poor mother. What would she say? How would she comfort him? How could she? How could he ever comfort her? And he put the knife down on the table and crouched low, hugging his wounded hand and cried. It was all too much to bear. The sobs racked his throat and his chest, and the tears dazzled him. And he should be crying for her, the poor, frightened, unhappy, dear beloved. He'd left her. He'd left her. He was desolate, but then he felt the strangest thing and brushed the back of his right wrist across the uh, across his eyes to find Pantaliman's head on his knee. The demon, in the form of a wolfhound, was gazing up at him with melting, sorrowing eyes, and then he gently licked Will's wounded hand again and again and laid his head on Will's knee once more. Will had no idea of the taboo in, in Lyra's world preventing one person from touching another's demon, and if he hadn't touched Pantaliman before, it was politeness that had held him back and not knowledge. Lyra, in fact, was breathtaking. Her demon had done it on his own initiative, and now he withdrew and fluttered to her shoulder as the smallest of moths. The old man was watching with interest, but not incredulity. (laughs) I don't know why I can't say that word. He'd seen demons before, somehow. He'd traveled to other worlds, too. Pantaliman's gesture gesture had worked. Will swallowed hard and stood up again, wiping the tears out of his eyes. All right, he said. I'll try again. Tell me what to do. Um... I'm just going to keep going, I guess. This time he forced his mind to do what Giacomo Paradisi said. Gritting his teeth, trembling with exertion, sweating, Lyra was bursting to interrupt because she knew this process. So did Dr. Malone and so did the poet Keats, whoever he was. And all of them knew you couldn't get uh, get it by straining toward it, but she held her tongue and clasped her hands. Stop, said the old man gently. Relax. Don't push. This is a subtle knife, not a heavy sword. You're gripping it too tight. Loosen your fingers. Let your mind wander down your arm to your wrist and then into the handle and out along the blade. No hurry. Go gently. Don't force it. Just wander. Then along to the very tip where the edge is sharpest of all you become the tip of the knife just do that now go there and feel that and then come back um i just i really love like how this how basically it's like it's basically like an extension of his arm now Mm -hmm. so you know i I skipped the part where they they mentioned like he is the wielder of the knife because the knife chose him just like the wizard chooses the wand yeah. basically um another thing yeah. you know but the knife chose him and he can tell the man says you know he will gets his two fingers cut off his two his ring finger and his pinky finger on one of his hands and he's like do you know how i can tell you're the wielder because i don't have those fingers either and he had wielded the knife yeah. for the longest time um but, uh, you know, there's more about the knife, and I think I have that down about why the knife was created and everything. But um, there's one more little note here. It says, Lyra imagined she could see Will's soul flowing back along the blade to his hand and up his arm to his heart. He stood back, dropped his hand, blinked. I, I, like, it's just a beautiful way to portray portray the fact that this knife is doing something that no other thing on earth has the been ability has the control. ability to do yeah. and you know and this is why this thing is so powerful and why so many people want it i mean even mrs coulter you know we haven't talked about her a lot she's not in, she's not in this book she, much no but she's still there she's still there she's in the background with the magisterium the fucking and zeppelins. yes and <laughs> the zeppelins yeah and you know pulling her strings in the background we still don't really understand her motivations much um either same with lord asriel um but I don't know. It, I thought I just that's to me. I wanted to I wanted to read that whole section because it's it's a cool way for an author to make make us believe and understand that this thing is so important and in this world. And he's the one. Yes, and he, and is, he has to be the, the one chosen to do it. one. Yes, and like to prove the fact that he is the chosen one and he can do it by just 
being able to learn it so quickly, like yes. being able to open his mind to this thing. And I mean, that's the same way that Lyra learned the alethiometer. Exactly. It's just, it came as a natural ability. Yes. Like you just need to be one with the device and yep. it's going to do exactly what you need it to do. Yep. So spoiler alert, there's going to be a device in the third book. Can you, is can it you bet what it's called? Be, um, <laughs> is it going to be a spyglass? And, and am I going to realize that it's a spyglass and it's the amber spyglass when that happens? Yes. Yes. You might, you might, you might, you might do, Possibly you might do that. Not. Yes. Yeah, but I did write um, the wand chooses the wizard on my notes because yeah. I just thought that was cool. Um, and then on page 190, there's also um, uh, Dr. Grumman, Stan Grumman, talking about the knife as well. Um, you see, I was intrigued by that haunted world where the specters fed on human consciousness. I wanted to know what they were, how they had come into being. And as a shaman, I can discover things in the spirit where I cannot go in the body. And I spent much time in trance exploring that world. I found that the philosophers there centuries ago had created a tool for their own undoing. An instrument they called the subtle knife. It had many powers, more than they'd guessed when they made it, far more than they know even now. And somehow when using it, they had let the specters into their world. Well, I know about the subtle knife and what it can do, and I know where it is, and I know how to recognize the one who must use it, and I know what he must do in Lord Azrael's cause. I hope he's equal to the task, so I have summoned you here, and you are to fly me northward into the world Azrael has opened, where I expect to find the bearer of the subtle knife. Now. So that guy is in Lyra's world. Gr so Stan Grumman, it's very complicated because, I mean, you've read the book. You know that Stan Grumman is also John Parry, Perry, who is Will Perry's yeah, father. Yeah, my note says on page 212, I knew the guy Lee was after was going to be Will's dad. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened on page so 12. So when, yeah, I want to know when you <laughs> like figured that out, like how... I think whenever Lee was like, in order to protect her, I need to go do this... Mm -hmm. I, it just, I had a, I, I had an inkling through probably the whole thing. Like his dad went looking for something and then fucking disappeared off the top of the mountain yeah. into the fucking right. Aurora Borealis or yeah. whatever the fuck he fell through. Yeah. A subtle knife hole, whatever. Um, but he is the one who everybody thought had his head in the, that Lord Asriel had his head in the There was box. just something about it that I was like, nope, that's going to be the twist yeah. of the, it's going to be him that they're yeah. going to. And I, I can't say, I can't say exactly when I was just like, it definitely is, but it, page 212 is when it actually came out that that's who he was. And I was like, yes, I yeah. knew it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's so many little hints that you don't, so many subtle little hints that you don't understand until after, like some of the, uh, some of the tribes call him Joe Par Japari. Yeah. And yep. it's because they can't pronounce John Perry or yeah. Parry, you know, like it's so funny to see that and be like, wow, I'm dumb. How did I yeah. not make that connection? <laughs> and I remember I, um, obviously I remembered and knew that yeah. he was his father but, like, those little things kind of jumped out at me. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that, you I know? I think it, it comes down to the fact that, like, his father's story that was such a part of him that kept being mentioned, not, like, overly mentioned, but enough times that I was like, there's got to be a reason for it to be mentioned. He's got to be coming as back something, as something, something else. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so there's one other thing close to this stuff. This is all, um, that's John Perry talking um, to... Lee Scoresby, who is only helping because he wants to protect Lyra and he knows that Lyra is important somehow. And he says at one point, so this is my price for taking you into the other world, Dr. Grumman, not gold, but that subtle knife. And I don't want it for myself. I want it for Lyra. You have to swear you'll get her under the protection of that object. And then I'll take you wherever you want to go. And the shaman, Dr. Grumman says, yes, of course I'll do that. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. He's lying. No. <laughs> 
Um, but what I love about that, and I'm gonna, I know that I, I, I got that somewhere on here. Um, I love about what I love about that is that he doesn't under know yet that Will is already with Lyra, and that there's no way Will is not going to protect Lyra. Yeah, you know. So I, I think that's a very cool part of the story. It's like it's. This guy, two pairs trying to get to the same end. Yes, and they're both right. Exactly. Um. So was that. Now we're gonna go to Rudis, Rudis Gatie, and Lord Asriel, and the, and what she says. And I kind of, I kind of love this part because it just it it's the whole it's the whole. Like, it's the point of the whole story, mm-hmm. baby. Maybe. So it says, um, her tale was causing the witches of Seraphina, Pe- Seraphina Pecola's clan to listen with awe and fear and disbelief, but Seraphina believed her and urged her on. Did you see Lord Asriel Rudiscati? Did you find your way to him? Yes, I did. And it was not easy because he lives at the center of so many circles of activity and he directs them all. But I made myself invisible and found my way to his inmost chamber when he was prepared, when he was preparing to sleep. Every witch there knew what had happened next, and neither Will, Will nor Lyra dreamed of it. So <laughs> Rudis Gady had no need to tell, and went, and she went on. And then I asked him why he was bringing all these forces together, and if it was true, what we'd heard about his challenge to the authority, and he laughed. Um, so clearly she's talking. They boned. They yeah. popped. Yeah. Um, which, I got into his bedroom. Yeah. And yeah. good for... Dot, dot, dot. Good for Rudis Gady, because Lord Asriel uh, seems pretty hot, honestly. I mean... I would think he's fucking hot. No, I, I <laughs> all think these people I have, in love with him. And I, I think I have it so ingrained in my brain that his name sounds like <laughs> Azrael, and I just immediately go to Smurfs, and I'm picturing Gargamel, and like I, that it's just like fucking stuck in my brain. So. Well, I believe he's played by um, in the show. I think it's James McAvoy, and James McAvoy is a very hot. So uh, yeah, he's he's very he's a very good looking man. I see. What else? Mm, I'm trying to think of what you would know him in. I mean, I know I believe he was in X Men, but I don't remember what he who he played in X Men. Um, look him up. Look Go him ahead. up. You'll see how hot he is. But he's hot. Do you have any more? Do you have any more notes? Um, I wanna... just I have a whole chunk on the part um with the doctor talking to the computer and the dark matter and the conscious yes. and like all of that. Yeah, that was extremely intriguing to me. Yes. Um, because it is computer and that's more of like a sciencey and i can't imagine being this very science-based doctor who is spending a lot of time mm-hmm. and money and trying to research something that's it's not black and white it's not you do this and you get this result yes. and it, it is kind of a muddy science ish and she's literally like she she figures out lyra tells her to do this thing with the computer and she does it and um she finds that she's speaking to literal angels. Yes, that's James McAvoy. I think he's hot. Um, yeah. Okay. I- I'm into it. I'm into it. Thomas. <laughs> he was Thomas. Who is that? From uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I just oh, saw that okay. as I was going. Okay. Um, so, but yes, I think it's very, I think the same thing is interesting. She's talking to this computer and, you know, which is a technological thing. And she finds that she's speaking to angels. Yes. Right? So... She starts by typing in, so Lyra basically convinces her that what she is investigating is the same as the dust, mm-hmm. and it's the same as the angels, and she convinces her to just free her mind, because Lyra had looked at the computer and done something with the computer and had seen something totally different than what yes. the doctor had ever seen. So she convinces her, she's like, you can just talk to it just the same way I talked to the Yeah, yeah. 
And she says, hello, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Maybe this is crazy. She types that in. And then she wasn't using a word processing program of any kind. In fact, she was bypassing much of the operating system and whatever formatting formatting was imposing itself on the words. It wasn't hers. She felt the hairs begin to stir on the back of her neck and she became aware of the whole building around her. The corridors dark, the machines idling, various experiments running at automatically, computers monitoring tests and recording the results, the air conditioning sampling and adjusting the humidity and the temperature, all the ducts and pipe work and cabling that were the arteries and nerves of the building awake and alert, almost conscious in fact. She tried again. I'm trying to do with words what I've done before with a state of mind, but before she had even finished the sentence, the cursor raced across to the right of the screen and printed, ask a question. It was almost instantaneous. She felt as if she had stepped on a space that wasn't there. Her whole being lurched with shock. It took several moments for her to calm down enough to try again. When she did, the answers lashed themselves across the right of the screen almost before she had finished. Are you shadows? Yes. Are you the same as Lyra's dust? Yes. And is that dark matter? Yes. Dark matter is conscious? Evidently. What I said to Oliver this morning, my ideas about human evolution, is it correct? But you need to ask more questions. She stopped, took a deep breath, pushed her chair back, flexed her fingers. She could feel her heart racing. Every single thing about what was happening was impossible. All her education, all her habits of mind, all her sense of herself as a scientist were shrieking at her silently. This is wrong. It isn't happening. You're dreaming. And yet there they were on the screen, her questions and answers from some other mind. She gathered herself and typed again. And again, the answers zipped into being with no discernible pause. The mind that is answering these questions isn't human, is it? No, but humans have always known us. Us? There's more than one of you? Uncountable billions. But what about, but what are you? Angels. And then it keeps, it keeps going from there. Um, I, I just, the whole way it connected at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh. Well, it's cool because it's, it's telling, A, it's telling you that this is how, this is exactly how Lyra can also read the alethiometer. Like they, it just it's is the inherent. same thing. Yep. It's the same thing uh, talking to her through that as this is talking to her through the computer. And the other cool thing that we didn't mention is that the doctor was a nun previously and she had like a crisis of faith basically and she decided to leave that and become a scientist so it's kind of cool she's on the she's basically on the you know she's right on the cusp of both both worlds and it's very interesting um uh to see that kind of dichotomy play in that situation i also wrote down and underlined ouija board because i felt like that's exactly what yes. the fuck that is. Yeah, and please. I actually thought about trying to find one, and then I was like, no, I don't. That's a lot. That's a lot of effort. Does the dust talk to us when we are on the, it on the does. board? Yeah. I can tell you who your crush is. So um, <laughs> I can tell you who your crush is. It does do that. I don't know why it does that. Um, okay. So on page 273, I just, I wrote kind of just a little, a note that this, this book is a little bit of a he- ahead of its time. Um, I've been cold plenty of times, Lyra said to take her mind off the pursuers, but I ain't ever, I ain't been this hot ever. Is it as hot? (laughs) Why can't I read? Is it this hot in your world? Not where I used to live, not normally, but the climate's been changing. The summers are hotter than they used to be. They say that people have been interfering with atmosphere by putting chemicals in it and the weather's going out of control. Like it's so crazy to see that written back in 1997 when we're now living in the, the year 2023, which is currently the hottest year to date. And like, I'm there's not... like a 29 day streak of a high, a, a yes. high temperature. And Atlantic Atlantic Ocean waters right now, down by the Keys, are a hundred degrees. A hundred so degrees in the ocean. It's, I feel like the hurricanes this year are either going to be completely non-existent or completely 
devastating. I think I saw, I think I saw that there's going to be fewer this year than there typically are, but the ones that do make it to as to hurricane status might be pretty might be pretty pretty, pretty devastating so i don't know it, it's scary to think about like i i have i just keep seeing these things about the climate and i have i have no hope i have no hope anymore i think we're past the point of no return and i'm terrified about that terrified every day i think about it and it gives me anxiety and when i see these things about the like literal ocean waters being a hundred degrees it's insane. killing coral which Keeps us safe from yeah. hurricane stuff Which and like that kind of shit. Which has been alive for hundreds and thousands of millions yes. of years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy that these they're dying at a ridiculous rate. Like what? I mean, how how much more? How how much further until like that is like reaches boiling temperature? I mean, is it what what one forty? Is that one forty Fahrenheit? Is that boiling? I mean, I don't know exactly. I think so but yeah, like, I think it's one forty. And obviously, that's a, that's a very big jump, but it's still like that is too hot for it's the ocean. It's still already hotter than it should be. It's too hot. It's disturbing. Um, I don't love it. I don't love it. I think it's one forty something. Maybe I'm wrong. Are you looking it up? I am. I love that we do this. Let's it's, Google it. It's 212. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> we still got a ways to go, but still. Fuck, man. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, that's hot. I'm not getting in a fucking, like... No, listen. I don't want to go in the ocean at 100 degrees. I don't want to go in the ocean at all, but, like... Right. I wouldn't but go I don't in a pool that's 100 warm. degrees. I don't want to be cold. I do go in a hot tub that's 102 degrees, but that's a hot tub. It's not, like... Yeah. The ocean. You're not trying to grow coral in there. No, I'm or not. dolphins. I'm trying to, like, not grow anything in there because no, I don't want yeah. anything growing in there. No. Or anywhere else. That's gross. Mm. Anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, um... I love them. To... Just because I need to say it in this episode, I love that we are going to discuss both of these books tonight. Yeah. I know. That's an undertaking, am I wrong? But like, yeah, they're both. But they're very... so good together. Yes, yes, okay. yes, for sure. Um, okay, so on page two seventy eight, we're learning a little. We're learning even more about the Liver's prophecy and why everybody is so want to protect her. Why the why those people want to protect her, and the, why other people want to find out what the problem is and what you know what she is and who can take. Who can take control and ownership over her, basically, um, and why the church would want her to, to would take ownership ownership of her? Um, okay, so it says, and now tell me this: you witches know something about the child Lyra? I nearly learned it from one of your sisters, but she died before I can complete the torture. Well, there, this is this is Mrs. Coulter, obviously, fucking bitch. Um, well, there is no one to save you now. Tell me the truth about my daughter. Lena felt gasped. She will be the mother. She will be life mother. She will disobey. She will name her. You are saying everything but the most important thing. Name her, cried Mrs. Coulter. Eve, mother of all. Eve again, mother Eve, stammered Lena, felt sobbing. So it's crazy. Like, now we have learned yeah. this prophecy that we've heard about from the first book. Um, And you're like, why is why is Lena why so, so important? Why is she so important? Because the prophecy about her names her as Eve, as in the mother of all life All on the of planet. everything. Um, they spelled her name wrong, though. What do you mean? It's Lyra, not Eve. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you looked at your book. <laughs> I did. I was like, Eve is not spelled wrong. That's correct. That is correct. Um, so, yeah, it, that's kind of cool. And, like, you know, how it's, it's again, you know, she's being put against her father, Lord Asriel, um, the god killer, on one hand. And then her mother on the other side, who is 
seemingly this completely devout person, but we still don't know her motivations. She's a in fanatic. This. She yes, clearly, clearly. So it's it'll be interesting to see how this is very near the end of the book, like literal pages left. Like how Mrs. Coulter takes this news, how um how that pans out in the book going in the book going forward. Um, okay. Then I go on to let's see. Why did I do that? I don't know why I did that. Okay. So page 282. Did you, do you have anything? No, I'm good. You're good. Okay. So page 282, um, Will and his father actually come into contact with each other. I was so frustrated with this whole scene because like you felt it and you felt it and you felt it. And then you're like, like somebody figure this out. Why can't you figure this out? Okay. So let's see. So I'll be better soon. You have the knife. Yes. Yes. And you know how to use it. Yes. But are you from this world? How do you know about it? Listen, said the man sitting up with a struggle. Don't interrupt. If you're the bearer of the knife, you have a task that's greater than you can imagine. A child. How could they let it happen? Well, so it must be. There is a war coming, boy. The greatest war there ever was. Something like it happened before, and this time the right side must win. We've had nothing but lies and propaganda and cruelty and deceit for all the thousands of years of human history. It's time we started again, but properly this time. He stopped to take in several rattling breaths. Um, Okay, so let's see. I kind of skipped a little bit. Let's see. Uh, then you're a warrior. A warrior. That's what you are. Argue with anything else, but don't argue with your own nature. Will knew that the man was speaking the truth, but it wasn't a welcome truth. It was heavy and painful. The man seemed to know that because he let Will bow his head before he spoke again. There are two great powers, the man said, and they've been fighting since time began. Every advance in human life, every scrap of knowledge and wisdom and decency we have has been torn by one side from the teeth of the other. Every little increase in human freedom has been fought over ferociously between those who want us to know more and be wiser and stronger and those who want us to obey and be humble and submit. And now those two powers are lining up for battle. And each of them wants that knife of yours more than anything else. You have to choose, boy. We've been guided here, both of us, you with the knife and me to tell you about it. Um, I think I have more. I, like, I, I don't want to like read the whole damn thing, but, you know, it, it just basically goes on to continue with that story. Like, this is why you have to do it. This is why you have to do it. And then let's see. You must go to Lord Asriel, he said, and tell him that Stanislaus Grumman sent you and that you have the one weapon he needs above all others. Like it or not, boy, you have a job to do and nor ignore everything else, no matter how important it seems, and go and do this. Someone will appear to guide you. The night is full of angels. Your wound will heal now. Wait, before you go, I want to look at you properly. Um, and immediately before that is when Stannis has, Stanislaus Grumman has this... And, he, and it says, and then Stanislaus Grumman, Jopari, John Parry hesitated. He was painfully aware of the oath he'd sworn to Lee Scoresbury, Scoresby, and he hesitated before he broke it, but break it he did. So he had no intention of keeping that, but because he feels, he doesn't know who Lyra is. I don't think that he knows about the prophecy in any sense of the word, Um which is kind of strange because he was shaman. He just knows but his piece of the puzzle. Exactly, exactly. So he knew that he had to get to the bearer of the knife and tell him to go to Lord Asriel. Um, but what he doesn't know is that there's no way that Will is going to leave Lyra behind. Mm-hmm. He's not just going to say, you know, and also I'm not, I can't remember, I wish I had written this down, whether or not Lyra had mentioned Lord Asriel to Will. I assume she did. Um, I, I don't, I, I feel like, he was I think that's part of the reason why I had a hard time getting back into it. It was putting all the pieces together because it wasn't 
There wasn't that, like, recap section in the beginning of this book where it was kind of like, let me reintroduce you to all those people and tell you how they all interrelate and everything like mm-hmm. that. So I don't remember her specifically right, explaining right. I, that. I don't either. I, don't I think either. that would have actually helped me get back into the book more, but... um, Okay, so then they kind of look into each other's eyes and just realize... Like, there's no words between them. They realize, like, he is just now realizing, well, this is my father. This is, and that's my son that I'm talking to. Holy shit. Whatever. And without any And here comes a big fat bitch. Yes. A witch just shoots him with an arrow. Stanislaus Grumman, John Perry. And he he dies immediately. And Will, um, it says, Will could only sit stupefied. Uh, a flicker crossed the corner of his vision and his right hand darted up at once and he found he was clutching a robin, a demon, red-breasted, panicking. So he grabs the witch's demon right out of uh, right out of the sky. Um, so she's trying to explain to him why she did it and we know that she was in love with him and he broke her heart or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So um, let's see. What did he ever do that you needed to kill him? He cried, tell me that if you can. And she looked at the dead man. Then she looked back at Will and shook her head sadly. No, I can't explain. She said, you're too young. It wouldn't make sense to you. I loved him. That's all. That's enough. And that's just another another thing, just like the Rudiskady thing with um, Lord Asriel, like, there's no need to explain because you're not going to get it yet. You're not old enough to understand. Did she need to kill him? I don't think so. No, that's a little, <laughs> that's a little bit of a heartbreaker. But she's just like, she's just like, I had the right to do this, yeah. which I don't understand, but whatever. Um, and then he, and then I don't understand. He said aloud, it's, it's too strange. We'll turn back to the dead man, his father, a thousand things jostled at his throat and, and only the dashing rain cooled the hotness in his eyes. The little lantern still flickered and flared as a draft through the ill-fitting window licked around the flame and by its light, Will knelt and put his hand on the, on the man's body, touching his face, his shoulders, his chest, closing his eyes, pushing the wet gray hair off of his forehead, pressing its hands to the rough cheeks, closing his father's mouth, squeezing his hands. Um, it's just like, that was just, I know we didn't talk much about his relationship with his dad. Obviously he didn't even know him. He disappeared when he was a baby. Yep. Um, he went on this trek up to, you know, the Arctic circle to find what he was looking for and, and he disappeared. And, um, his mother kept all these letters and the men came and looked for the letters and that's what Will actually found. And that's how he kind of learned more about his father and who he was. But his mother always told him you're going to take up your father's mantle. You're going to continue his legacy. And like, what's interesting, that's what he's doing. It's so very cool that they, at the end, even though they didn't get to say it out loud to each other, it's cool that um, they both knew in the end that that's what they were doing. And And he's passing the legacy on and continuing on. Exactly. Um, One of the things I did want to say about the subtle knife that I, I didn't, yet and i didn't mark any pages of it but the the logistics of slicing through a knife or slicing the knife and like slipping into that portal and then showing up in the same spot and then walking five feet and slicing through yes. and ending up in a different yes. one the logistics of all of that i i love that i know i'm just kind of like funny. picturing it and you know we can't walk out right here because now we're a thousand feet up yes. and we're going to just fall to the ground and die. And I'm going to sneak in here and I'm going to cut, do this. And then I'm going to sl- like, right. I I mean, we didn't talk about it. Obviously but one of the most anxiety inducing like scenes is when he, they're, they're, they're the trying house, to get trying to, to get the, the knife, yeah, they're, Yes. They're, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, cause fucking, um, Lord Burial. Yes. Lord Burial, who in that, that world was Charles something. I can't remember his name, but, um, 
you know, uh, stole the alethiometer from Lyra, saying that he was somebody different, even though she, in the back of her head she's like, I recognize I like this guy, you. I can't figure it yeah. out who you are, but I know you. Um, and, like, that was very anxiety-inducing, like, trying to figure out, like, oh, my God, are, are they, they going to get it? caught? <laughs> and then they find that Mrs. Coulter is with him, yeah. and that's how she recognizes and re- realizes who it is. It's very, like, you know, it's very yeah. whatever. But um, that's all. That's my notes for this one. And I'm excited to read the third one. I, I know that um, we've talked about this before when, when one of us has read a book previously, and then, like, I know you're picking up on yes. stuff that yes. is like giant flags because yes. you know where it's going. Right. And it's like, I very much enjoyed the book and I got, I went from page 20 to page 129. I was like, fuck, I'm not taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was, I just got into it. And- so I have, I'm curious and like, this is, we can revisit this when we do the, um, the Amber Spyglass episode, but like, do you have any predictions about? No. None? Nope. No, I don't even want to try to predict it because I feel like I'm just going to be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I, I, I don't know, but I know that you, because of knowing your religious stances and the fact that you love this book, I know that it's going someplace anti-church. I mean, you can tell, but you can tell because also like the church was angry about the book in the first place. Right, so like right. I get it. Um I just I love a story that's not something that I've ever read that just takes me into a place that I've never yeah. I, I never would have uh like come up with it on my own. Yes. Like the first time you're reading Harry Potter and you're like holy fuck like mm-hmm. how do you come up with all of this world the, and these the world characters yes. and all of this intertwined yes. and it, it's the world and building of it and the plotting of the story and i'm really just me. along for the ride and know that i'm gonna have a great conversation with you and then you're yeah. gonna point out a shit ton of things that i didn't pick up on so well and, that, and that's again <laughs> that's the nature of reading it more than once and being yeah. and having that that um hindsight you know just being able to be like oh shit i i recognize that i know what's going to happen here and i know i like i have a little bit more of a connection to it now reading it a second time and like it makes you really think i should do more rereading of certain things it's so it's so hard it's so hard (laughs) minus the fact that i went to the library the other day and i picked up four books that are due in two weeks and i hadn't started the punishings yet and i was like Oh, uh, there's no fucking way I'm going to do this because I was, I, and yeah, and I looked yeah. at I'm like, I could just leave one. I, no, I'm going to take them all because yeah. I want to read them all. I want to read them all. I know. It's so, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. I used to get, I think I, I think I mentioned this even on the podcast and it's certainly to you at some point, but I used to get anxiety about books and, and thinking like, what if I, what if I run out of things to read? Yes. What if somehow I read all of the books? I no, no longer, I no longer have that anxiety. <laughs> no, I don't. I am now on the point of time where what happens if I die before I finish reading Uh all the books in my pile on my nightstand Uh that hasn't moved? (laughs) The good thing about that is you will be dead and you won't know. know. But the problem is I I get it. I, cause I a thousand percent understand it's, I, this thing that we do, this, this, the books in general just are the thing that give me the most joy in life. There's a reason I have the sticker on the back. What does it say? Do more of what makes you happy happy. with a picture of a book. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay. Let's go to our epilogue, right? Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. The epilogue. Um, okay, Katie, so we're actually going to record our next episode momentarily. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter if you, uh, 
have comments on it because we're already going to record it. We're already going to record it. So uh, our next episode will be uh, The Punishings by H.R. Bellicosa. I'm very excited to talk about that with one with yep. you. Um, and, you know, follow us on our socials. Keep in touch with us. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Excuse me. On X, not on Twitter. Listen, Fuck that fucking shit. I knew it was going to change. And then at some point today, I was like flipping through my phone and I was like, what the fuck is, that, is that thing? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh. Yeah, it's ugly. Elon Musk is probably the cringiest human being on Earth. Um, I had this discussion with John and Brad last night. I'm like, I don't think there is a cringier, a cringier human being on planet Earth. Trump. I don't think that, yeah, he's cringy, but I feel like his cringiness comes from a place of, um, I, I don't know how to explain it, really. I, I think Elon Musk thinks that he's very cool and suave. And he's yeah, and okay. He's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I I don't know how, I can't explain it any better than that, but it's just very, it's very, like, um, guy trying to appear cool. Like, I know he was on, like, a, he was on, like, a podcast one time, like, smoking a blunt, and it's just, like, okay, yeah, like, this no, is the cringiest no. fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> today he tweeted something, like, t- today he tweeted, or X'd. Oh is that what God. you're supposed to say you're now? You're supposed to say X'd, yeah. He X'd it? Yeah, he re-X'd it, or X'd it. But he X'd, he tweeted himself, a picture of himself with a shirt that apparently says, I love Canada, but he has the things, whatever. This man is a 52-year-old man, and instead of seeing, I love Canada, you see, I love anal. Yeah. <laughs> so I texted a, I texted the picture to John and Brad. I said, do you understand my point now? Yeah. Like, this is a 52-year-old man who is supposedly is one of the smartest men on the planet, but but that's what we get. This from is him. what we get from him. Yeah, great, what awesome. Anyway, he's like um, the dorkiest kid ever that thinks, like you said, that he thinks he's cool and yes, just like. Yes. So that's why yeah. that's no, why I, I personally I think you. he's the most cringy person on, on the planet. Um. Anyway, so like I said, join us on our socials, um, Twitter and Instagram at to be read pod. Uh, email us at to be read podcast at gmail dot com, and uh, join us next time when we make your to be read pile one book shorter. Bye, everybody. Bye. To Be Read is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willey. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turo. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius. Theme song, Read to Me, written and performed by Austin Moffat.